0: As we read our key text for this morning, we're gonna read from Ephesians chapter five, and it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise. Who was saying that, Mary? Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We love you so much. We thank you for your word we just ask that you would speak to us. Just speak, uh, remove any distractions this morning. We want to hear from you. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. All right, so uh, we jump-started uh, back our series on James again, if you were here last week. And wow, God ministered so deeply to so many, I'm grateful. Um, but I didn't feel like I'd, I'd really have the time to, to go deep like I want to into the book of James and Hill's live weekend, so I'll, i love this this is the only weekend i can get away with uh, shorts and (laughs) t-shirt but um you know i didn't feel like i'd have the time to go deep there so i'm just going to share a one-off message this morning titled wide awake and wise and as i was writing this I, i realized a couple of weeks ago we were in the book of joel and we were celebrating a God who restores. It's kind of been our theme this year, a God that restores. And what we tried to say and what we've been saying the whole year through the comeback theme is you are gonna make it. You're gonna make it. And it, you know, if there's been a season of hardship in your life that's left a mark on you, if there's a big loss in your story, God's gonna bring you through. He is. And, and so the message is that God restores. And yes, maybe there's been a loss, But God repays for the years that the locust has has eaten, right? That's from Joel. And so there there are two parts coming out of the message today. Number one, we're going to make it. That's that's been the big theme of the year, really. That's what God's been speaking. This morning, the church is going to make it. And and the the second one, the church is really going to be more of the focus today. So you say, well, Sean, um, you know, I don't know if you've really been paying attention or not, uh, because every statistic— and every article I'm reading says the church is shrinking. People are leaving the church and, and, and lots of people are leaving the church. If, if we look at the statistics nationwide in America, a lot of people left the church and didn't come back to church. You can go to almost every church today and there are fewer people there than there were when the pandemic started. So how can you encourage us and, and assure us today that the church will make it? First of all, because God is a God who restores, amen. And, and secondly, God is committed to the church. In fact, so much so, he calls it the bride of Christ. He loves the church. And on top of that, a shrinking church in the present is not necessarily a weaker church long-term. You hear that? A, a weakened church is a weaker church, right? Uh, and, and so the church, theoretically, could get smaller and stronger. And what we're really interested in is what kind of church are we? Uh, because I I know that God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't. And he certainly isn't going to waste his bride going through a storm. And so how will he use that to shape the church? So a few things. There's notes available on the backside. If you're bolted, if you're taking them, I'm going to, I'm going to just dart this morning. I'm sorry. I apologize, but I want to honor, you know, us going to Hills Live. This is important. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to like hurry through it. I'm going to let Holy Spirit kind of lead and direct me. But if you're taking notes, here we go. Buckle in. Okay. So I think a few simple ways. Number one, I think that God is resurrecting a church that is three things. Is awake, is alert, and is wise. And we're going to walk through this. Awake, alert, and wise. And so if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, this is what Paul is encouraging in the time of Ephesians that he was in. It was apparently it was challenging because if you're reading through this book and this chapter, he calls this period many times in the book, evil days. And so he says, verse one, chapter five, I love, this is, I love these two verses right here. Some of my favorite to preach. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And so he's talking to the believers right now. And so then he, then he lists all these things, right? Uh, he's saying sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no uh, filthiness, nor foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, and let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So Paul, he's putting us in a context where there's conflict, and the, and the church is caught up in the middle of it, and the people are caught up in the middle of it, it's in, and the question is, how are we going to live And he comes down a little bit later in this passage, and this is the verse we opened up with. He says, anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, and listen, listen to this, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. and this is God's word for us in this moment. I I really believe it. Coming coming through what we've all come through, he's saying, wake up, be awake in this moment. We've got to make sure that when the lights go out around us, we aren't sleepwalking. He's saying, wake up, arise. Wake up, sleeper. He's not saying make sure you're there at service on Sunday. He's saying wake up. He's not even saying make sure that you're a Christian. He's saying wake up. Yes, I like that you're here on Sunday. And yes, I, you know, you want to follow Jesus. But he's saying to the church, wake up. Yeah. He's speaking to the believers. That's a way, there's a way that you can be living in a world that's crumbling and you can be asleep in the midst of it. And he's saying you've got to be awake. And not only that, you've got to be alert. Okay, number two, the second thing, you've got to be alert. He says a few verses later, verses 10. Chapter six, we, we, we know this. We did a whole camp theme on this, right? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Why? Because the devil has schemes. <laughs> there, there is a devil and he's got plans for you and schemes for you, darkness has a plan for you. And Jesus said as much in the parable of the seeds, we remember that, some seeds fell in the path and the birds ate it, right? Some, some fell in the thorns and the thorns were just the stuff of life and, and they choked the life out of these plants and some fell on the rocky ground and they got a great start but, but they couldn't grow any roots and they faded away and some fell in good soil, schemes, all, all different kinds of schemes and what God is saying is you gotta be alert. You gotta be awake and you get, gotta be alert. You have to be able to discern the time that you're in. The last thing wise, let's go back to chapter five. Right after he says, wake up, O oh sleeper, look now what happens when you do. He says Christ shines on you, light shines on you and then he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time. Because here it is again, because the days are evil. So when Paul's writing this 2,000 years ago in Ephesus, he says it's evil. And he's saying, in the midst of the evil time that we're living, be careful how you live. Don't be foolish. Be, be understanding, uh, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he closes this section by saying, submit to one another, in reverence for Jesus. So don't be drunk because that's a waste. It, it, it's really the word in the Greek. He's basically said 2,000 years ago, don't get wasted because it's a waste. That's what he said. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And why did he put those two ideas together? Because one shows what being under the influence of something looks like, and he wanted the other one to show what being under the influence of someone who loves us is like. And one of the primary shifts of being under the influence of Holy Spirit, we see here that he's talking about is the way that we speak. The way that you talk to each other is what's changing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So he calls the times evil days and he's trying to help us understand that we're not um, up against flesh and blood, we're up against spiritual powers. And so think about this, just frame this a second. Your neighborhood is a spiritual municipality. Your family lives in a spiritual municipality. The city is a spiritual municipality. We, we, we just can't show up here, sing some songs, and then rock on out and say, man, that was a great service. When we're living in a spiritual municipality, uh, that's a great word, right? We, we have to be awake and alert and wise. What should I do? Well, it's telling us here, way up on God's word, submit to one another in community. And then you make wise decisions because you understand God's will in this moment, in your neighborhood, in your spiritual city. What is God doing in our neighborhood, in your neighborhood at this very moment? What if we prayed that way? I believe this is really how the church is going forward. In John chapter 2, John's speaking of the end times, and I know that's a big question, you know, like, is this the end? And you know, I don't, I, there's no simple answer to that other than God knows. <laughs> and I'm, I'm okay with just knowing that. Time, but Bill said it already. Time is a relative term anyway, in the sense that the almighty who created time exists outside of time, and he counts a thousand years as a day, and a day as a thousand years. And so, but it's definitely the end of time. We're at the end of time because you'll read it all throughout scripture, the writers being led by Holy Spirit encourage us to think like people of the second coming. Like that it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that we walk around with a poster that says the end is near, you know, as we're marching up and down the sidewalk, but it just means that we're awake and we're wise. We're alert and knowing that Jesus informs everything that's happening in our lives. In John chapter two, John is sharing the same truth. He says, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. So be ready because this culminates with the Antichrist spirit. So yes, they're important things for us to talk about. And these are important important ways for us to live our lives. And this this is important light to be shined into our stories. There are spirits of Antichrist, as he calls them right now, and a discerning, alert, awake person can sense what's happening around them. Um, so he says, just let me read this quickly. He says, even now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have uh, continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were, not all, they were all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lies of the truth who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, but he who denies the father and the son. No one who denies the son has the father. Whoever confesses the son has the father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide. Remember that language of abiding with the vine? It's right there. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. So when Jesus sent his followers out, he's saying this too, Matthew 10, he said, I'm sending you into the world as sheep among wolves, and I want you to be innocent as doves and smart as snakes. I want you to be alert. I want you to be awake. I want you to be wise. Are you seeing that theme? Are you seeing it? And so second thing, second thing about the church coming through the storm is that the church is humble and the church is bold. We need both of those qualities, but we need them together. So, church, we need humility in our lives. (laughs) James 4 says you're not smart if you're going around. Have you ever noticed this? If you're going around telling everybody, this this is at the end of James. We haven't gotten to this chapter yet. But, he, you know, if you're going around saying, you know, in September, our family is going to go on vacation and next summer we're going to open up a new business location. No, he says, no, 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 that's, a, that's foolish talk. He says, when you talk, talk like this. If the Lord wills, in September, our family is going to go on vacation. If the Lord wills, we plan to open up a new business location. If the Lord wills, this is our plan. Yes, we're making plans, but it's if it's God's will. So I'm just dialing my mind, if you were around back at uh, the early, you know, 2020, back in January of 2020, where we start off with the big series, right, and we're doing the light shine bright series, and we had the light bulbs we gave to everybody, and, and, you know, we're talking about the filament and and being a light in the world, and Jesus calls us the light of the world, And, and, you know, we're going to the 20s with our light shining bright, and I don't know, about 75 days later, you know, the entire world, kind of comes down to a halt. And I wonder, would we have done anything differently? And would we have thought differently and taught differently or moved differently? And someone just walked up with a note and said, hey, by the way, things are gonna move slow for a while. We need to recapture the humility of just not knowing what day the world will come to a stop. And we, we need to be able to say, you know what? I would love to meet you next Friday, if God wills. You're like, Sean, that's, that's just silly talk. We, we can't say that all the time. Okay, just have it in your mind then, if God wills. We don't know. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know how many days we have. We don't know what's on the other side of next week. So let's just be humble before God, right? Okay, but with that, he says, I need you to be bold. <laughs> So two weeks ago, we were in Joel 2. The prophet is talking about God repaying with the locusts of Eden. And he comes down to the middle of chapter 2. And he says, um, he says yes, you're going to see the autumn rains. You're going to see the spring rains. Your crops are going to grow. You know, all this good stuff. Your threshing floor is going to be full. Your vats are going to have new wine and new oil. And this is like the restoration of God that we're talking about. But then he comes down to the next verse and he says, and, and when I'm reading this, I'm like, why is there an and there? Well, you've already done so much. We're good. But he's like, no, 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 no. Th- that's not the end goal is just to get the bats full. That's not, that's not it. There's something more. And, and so he says in verse 28, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do something else and this, something else is crazy good. So pay attention to this. And it says, it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. I just, I'm, oh, come on. Even the male and female servants in these days, I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth: blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion, we're going to we're going to come back to Mount Zion, and in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be um, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors. Shall be those whom the Lord calls. So, the last verse of Joel says, I will avenge their blood, blood I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. Okay, so now something powerful is happening here. Joel is saying that there's a time that's coming. Thank you, God, that our vats are full. Thank you, God, that our account is full. Thank you, God, for restoring. Thank you for repaying. Thank you for resurrecting. Thank you for for that. But there's something more to life than just having your vats full. And it's that God is going to pour out his spirit on everybody. This this would be absolutely, for the hearers, this would be absolutely shocking to the original hearers the, because there's a shift that's happening here where the Spirit of God, who's calling for prophecy, which is a witness to Jesus, is moving from the prophet, who has been kind of the mouthpiece, the witness of God, to the people who are now the witnesses to Jesus. It used to be kind of the big hitters, now it's everybody. The Spirit of God is now on everyone to do what? to prophesy, to dream dreams, to have visions. And so you say, you know, prophecy, it sounds a little bit scary. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know about all that. What that means, the simplest definition, if you just even just look it up and like Strong's exhaustive, prophecy means to speak or to sing inspiration, prediction, or in simple discourse, simple conversation. So you're like, I don't know, I didn't grow up in that church, you know? <laughs> Listen. You know how to prophesy, you do, and in the simplest sense, the Lord says He will pour out His Spirit on us. In the simplest sense, so even if we remove out of the Holy Spirit's involvement, which we don't want to do, but if we did, it's when we say, "Well, let me let me tell you, you know, what I think, okay, prophesy," or you know, "Let let me tell you what you should do, okay," or even more so, you know, what. what what if we do hear from Holy Spirit and he's saying, you know, I just have, a, I have this feeling. I have this, the Holy Spirit is still small voices speaking. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this thing or I have, a feel, I have a really good feeling about this. or something that's stirring in your spirit. Okay, prophesy. So we prophesy all the time. But what the text is now saying is that when the spirit of God comes in on us, our sons and daughters, our men and women, every, everybody, everybody. all all of us are included in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is we become witnesses now to Jesus when Holy Spirit's involved. So prophesy. So there's an antichrist coming, but there are witnesses to Christ coming also. Uh, An Antichrist spirit will try to shut down the whole world, but there's a for Christ spirit that is now influencing all of the people of God and to see Jesus and to proclaim Jesus under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's why when Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2, we see it again. We see these two things again. We see being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit in the same text again. You ever notice that? Right next to each other. It's, it's festival time. There are Jews from all over the known world. In Jerusalem, Holy Spirit comes down in the upper room. Followers of Jesus who have been waiting on Holy Spirit you know, are touched by the tongues of fire that come from heaven. They all start proclaiming the gospel in different languages. And all the people who were there are like, what is going on? You know, all these people are uh, Galileans and, and we know that, but they're telling us the gospel story in our own language. What is happening? And there was a smart aleck that got recorded by Luke. And that person said, I think they're all drunk. And, and Peter, who's just a few weeks, you know, before he denied Jesus, he, he stood up and he spoke and he said, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Peter quotes, listen, Peter quotes Joel here. He goes back to Joel and he says, and in the last days it shall be I love it. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see business. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even the mill. So he he reads it again. If you turn the page, though, and and you're reading the rest of the story, he comes a little bit further down, connecting more and more all these uh, prophecies from Old Testament. He comes and he calls uh, on them in the name of the Lord. And thousands of people in that moment, under the powerful preaching and the inspiration of Holy Spirit have their hearts cracked open and put their faith and trust in Jesus. And the church is born in that moment and they are bold even in the face of death. They don't flinch and they keep pointing in the middle of darkness because it was evil times, remember, in the middle of darkness, they keep pointing to the light of Jesus Christ. And actually Jesus says, you are the light. You become the filament. And the church is born in hostile ground. It was, and it explodes around the world It wasn't very big at the beginning, but it got a lot bigger. After Peter's sermon, Holy Spirit came down. That's what was happening. Holy Spirit all of a sudden poured out his spirit. Boom. And it wasn't super big on day one, just a couple thousand people, but it was strong and it was bold. This is why we teach at Destiny to be excellent in all you do. Live your life as unto the Lord so that people will want to hear what you say, right? so that your love for them will speak louder than any lies they may have heard about the church. Say that again, that your love will speak louder than any lies they've heard about the church or about who Jesus is. Then prophet, Then when, when that happens, you prophesy at work. You prophesy in the street. You prophesy in your neighborhood, in your municipality. You, you prophesy at the coffee shop and you prophesy to the person that you see walking down the sidewalk on the way to the coffee shop. Prophesy to your family. Prophesy because the day of the Lord is coming. But Sean, if I talk about Jesus, I'm going to hit for that. Well, count it it as (laughs) game. It is time to dream dreams again and to share visions and to prophesy. God will give you the words to say if you just have the ears to listen. So the last thing quickly. What does the church look like? It looks like everybody's all in. And you've heard me say this again, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, listen, this, this, this part isn't about getting volunteers, it's not that, it's not, I, just listen, okay? We are deeply rooted. The church is, in, is supposed to be deeply rooted and connected. In other words, church becomes a way of life, not a weekly gathering. Not a Sunday service. You are the church. And so church happens in your neighborhood where you live and where you work every day of your life. So, so we know that a lot of people left the church during the pandemic, and I don't know why they left, 100 reasons probably. And uh, some of them didn't come back and maybe they didn't come back for 100 reasons. But maybe one of the reasons, I don't know, but maybe one of the reasons they left was that they were gone for a few months and they realized that they didn't really miss it. And they're like, I don't really feel any different from being there. Why? Because maybe our, <laughs> hmm, maybe our Western culture has packaged church to be a moment, and even worse, a moment that only happens in a building. And we work really hard in a moment to lift your spirit so that you're leaving here, and I feel better about myself and about life, and when I did when I get in, I got a little boost. And maybe there's a practical nugget, you know, for that you can take and use during the week, and that's what we think church is. I'm telling you, that kind of church isn't gonna make it when the spirit of Antichrist tries to shut down the world. That kind of church isn't gonna make it through a diagnosis. That, that, it won't make it through something that doesn't make sense. It's not gonna make it through hardship or difficulty or persecution. That kind of church won't make it. The kind of church that is gonna make it is the church where the people are all in. You're like, are you trying to get us to show, us up, show up on Sunday? No. <laughs> I mean, you're already here, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like it when we gather. I think that's important too. But what I'm trying to say is almost exactly the opposite of that. I'm trying to say that it's not most about how many people come through that door. You know what it is? It's most about what kind of people go out that door. And we obviously want to make room for a lot more people in the house, but not people who just come and sit in a seat and feel a little bit better when they leave and think that's church. That's not it. In the scriptures, the church has this theme. It's together we move. Together. James calls the church to an active faith. The church was born under the people who were prophesying by the influence of the Holy Spirit. Look at these descriptors of the church. I love this the end of Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, sharing meals together, to prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing and all the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together, so the attending church was part of it, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor of the people. But it was a lot of just everybody's together. This is a family. We're all in. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church is all in. That's what what Joel was saying. He calls it out at the end and he says, "For on Mount Zion. And in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. I, I wanna show you this super fast and then we're out, okay? You've... You've probably seen someone do this before, the wedge or the wheel. And be ready on media, we're gonna go fast, okay? The wedge or the wheel. A lot of our views of Christianity is that we have, you know, my family, my job, you know, my health. We've got these pieces of the puzzle, the passions, the social life, finances, all of that, several pieces of the pie, but man, something's missing. And then I heard about Jesus and I was like, yes, you know, Jesus is gonna be part of the pie. I invited him into my life and I just said, you go crazy in that little piece of my pie. Have your way in that little piece of my life. But you're learning in time that that sounded like a great plan, but it didn't work because Holy Spirit doesn't fill wedges. He fills wheels. And the other picture, the graphic is where your life is Jesus' life. It's, it's, he's all up in the middle of everything. My life is your life, all of it. My family, I want you to be all up in that. I want you to be all up in my friends. I want you to be all up in my fitness, oh Jesus, right? You know, I want you to be all up in my finances. I, I heard an amen over here. I want, I, want to be, I want you to be all up in my social life. I want you to be up in my work life. I want you to be up in my knitting circle. I got another amen. They're, they're, they're a little bit loud over here today. I want, to, I, want, I want you to get in every part of my life, and I'm not going to give you a wedge. I'm going to give you the whole thing. Okay, so keep on going. And what it looks like is it turns everything upside down. You know, it's not, it's not just my life and that, that piece of the pie. You go from a place that looks like this and didn't work to a place that looks like this. And, okay, what's that? This is, we turned the, turn the triangle around. What are we doing? <laughs> so what? You still got a wedge. So I turned my wedge into a mountain. This is Mount Zion. Because that's where the deliverance happened, on Mount Zion. We read it several times today. Three, other, three important things that happened on Mount Zion, because Mount Zion is also called Mount Moriah. And so, on Mount Moriah... I don't want to lose my space. On Mount Moriah, a named man, a man named Abraham took his miracle son to make an offering. And at the end of the day, he, he didn't know he was supposed to offer, but he was willing to offer everything. He was all in. He was willing to give everything. His miracle son, there was a ram with the horns caught in the bush at the last second. Then he realized that God had provided and he called the place Jireh. And we still sing about it today. Jireh, you're more than enough. We sing about it. So Next one, in 2 Samuel, David, he went up the exact same mountaintop on Mount Moriah, and he made an offering to God. And he came to a man named Aruna, who owned the threshing floor, who said, what are you doing here, King David? David said, the Lord wanted me to make an offering, and I'm going to do it right here. And Aruna says, great, you can have the land, you can have my wood, you can, you can have my animals, everything I have is yours. And David said, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna buy all of this because I'm not offering a sacrifice to God that costs me nothing. And so he's all in, he bought it all. He bought it all and made the sacrifice right there, same mountain on top of Mount Moriah. Okay, next one, 2 Chronicles. Second Chronicles, Solomon, he built a temple. Do you know where he built it? on the threshing floor. And he gave generously of his gold and his silver and his bronze and his wealth. And he went all in to build this temple on Mount Moriah. So do you know what we're learning? Up on Mount Moriah, up on the mountain top, it's, it's not kumbaya. It's, it's not all feel good and goosebumps and emotions and big hugs on the mountain. Mount, mount tops are about understanding that worship involves sacrifice. It's all in. And so lastly, Watch this. Jesus says to his followers on our last mountain, come here, let's go up to Jerusalem. Do you know why? Because Mount Moriah is also called Mount Zion. And on the top of Mount Zion is where Jerusalem is. And Jesus says, let's go up the same mountain that Abraham went up and the, and the same mountain David went up and the same mountain Solomon went up. Let's go up. And he said, when we get there, guys, the son of man will be handed over to the high priest and falsely accused. I'll be stripped, I'll be beaten, I'll be spit on and nailed to a cross. The son of man is gonna die and the son of man is gonna be put up in a tomb and in three days will rise from the dead. And upon the exact same spot as Solomon's holy of holies, Aruna's threshing floor, Abraham's altar. Jehovah Jireh provides. God provided. And this time he gave everything. He said, guys, I'm all in. Andrew and the team, you guys can come up. The, the mountaintop church is all in. It doesn't work any other way. So if you've been wondering, is Christianity defective? You know, is that why it's fading away? No. It's just that the pie chart kind of Christianity is defective. It's a wedge and not a wheel. And God is saying, I want to invite you in. And I want you to be rooted in my word. And I don't, I don't want you to follow a man. I want you to follow my son, Jesus. Because you can go find a church and a preacher who will amen, you know whatever it is you want him to or her to amen in your life, but God says what you need to do is not follow any person or or, or you know it's not about a building. What you need to do is be filled with Holy Spirit and just lean in a little bit closer to me, abide in me, right? It goes back to, it, goes, it always goes back to that. Abide in me. I, I will abide in you. Get around other people who are filled with Holy Spirit and who are growing in my word. Submit yourself to one another. Be knitted in a community and filled that, you know, a community of spirit-filled, word-soaked people who are awake and who are alert and who are wise, who understand what my will is in this municipality. <laughs> in your neighborhood's municipality, wherever you're called to, wherever you walk, wherever you stand, and who knows what time it is on planet Earth. Ones who are awake at the dawn of the end of time. Wake up, oh sleeper, right? Let's pray. Father God, we love your word. Whew, what a challenge. (laughs) But we know it all comes back to leaning in a little bit closer to you. We we rise up because you are our strength. We rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit that you poured out on everybody in this room. And so it's not about anything that we need to do, but we rise up with you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word to us this morning. If you're here this morning, I've been talking a lot about the church. I hope you heard a little bit about Jesus too because he's the bedrock of the church, the foundation of the church. He's he's at the center of everything that we do. He's the the banner that we put over everything. And if you're here this morning and and you don't know Jesus or you would like to, or maybe it's a resurrender this morning as we head into an afternoon, if you're coming with me over to, to the Memorial Park, it would just be a resurrender to the king of all kings who went up a mountaintop, changed, flipped our whole life around and just gave everything for you. He did that. If that's you, let's church, let's pray this together. Father God, I give you my heart, everything that's in me. Thank you for giving your all. I wanna be all in. I wanna follow you with my life. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for coming to be my rescue. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate this morning. Now, now listen, if you, if you prayed that prayer, the important thing is to find somebody, find one of our staff. We're gonna have an altar ministry team up here at the end. And don't do this alone. Take a next step with somebody. That's what the church is all about. So we're gonna move really quickly into a time of giving Uh, this morning if you're part of the Destiny family. um, We have several ways, you guys know um, how to give. Um, We'll put it up on the screen in just a second. Um, If you're giving a cash gift this morning, raise your hand high in the air and the ushers will give you an envelope for tax purposes. If you're writing a check and you write it to Destiny Foursquare, if you'd like to swipe a card, there's uh, people that will help you over here with that as well. We plant our seeds in these planters. Cause we believe we're planting in kingdom soil. Amen. It's all for Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word to us. And we're just going to worship with our given this morning. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.